And so we think when we're asking, why bother? Who cares? What's the point? We've already answered it. And what I discovered and what I'm saying in the book is, no, this is so natural. It's so inevitable. It feels like a sign of death. It's actually a sign of life. The other side of why bother is actually ask the friggin' question. This is your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 333 with guest Jen Loudon. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you are here. How are you doing? That is a loaded question these days, isn't it? I am okay? Question mark? Maybe that's how a lot of you are feeling. As I am recording this for you, it's April 15th, which means that it is my birthday. I'm having mixed feelings about this particular birthday, partly because of shelter at home which is a nice word for quarantine, let's be honest. And also because I'm 45 and 45 feels like, it still feels weird coming out of my mouth that that is my age because my mind feels about 29. Also, I've been sort of reckoning with this particular age. I had a similar experience when I turned 39, but it was different. This one feels like, Like 40 was, I didn't really have that hard of a time with 40. I was sort of excited about it. Coming into my 40s, I had heard so many great things from other women about being in your 40s. So I was ready. I was ready for it. And we had just bought a house. So I was super pumped. And now 45 feels like, the way I was describing it to one of my girlfriends, I said, it kind of feels like when your friend had her third kid and you're like, cool for you. It's just not that exciting anymore. It's like, yeah, good for you. Yay. Throwing confetti. It just, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. It just feels like one of those ages where you're truly officially middle age. No denying it anymore. Middle age. There are so many great, exciting things about this time. I know. I know. But if you heard a podcast episode, the podcast episode I did back with my friend Ella on aging, I will drop that link in the show notes. Just, I don't know. Maybe you feel differently. Maybe you feel the same. But rolling into my 40s as the years are kind of just spinning underneath me, it's been a reckoning. It really, truly has been a reckoning. Speaking of reckoning. Amy Ehlers and I have put together a program that I'm really excited about. So I have never taught a program on writing or done any kind of guidance other than my one-on-one clients when it's something that we implemented and co-created together as their assignments. I haven't sat down and formally done a program by myself or with any anyone else. I love doing joint ventures with other coaches. It's my favorite. Maybe it's just the extrovert in me. I don't know. But I have gotten together with Amy Ehlers. You heard her on the podcast last week. And she and I have put together something called the Writing Experience. Writingexperienceproject.com. And at the end of the day, 
we want to take you from feeling maybe lost and alone in your life. I'm sure maybe you're surrounded by people, maybe you're not, but that kind of feeling of being maybe stuck or lost in your life and maybe with a particular writing project to clear, to feeling conscious and to feeling aware. So if you have a specific a specific writing project you're working on, we will help you take action and make massive movement on it. Or if you are someone who knows that journaling is probably going to help you out a lot, but you procrastinate on it, or maybe you're good for like a day and then you don't go back to it. Or maybe you're someone who's a seasoned journaler. You do morning pages or you do bullet journaling or five-minute journal or whatever it is. And you want to switch it up and you want direction and you want some somebody to point out your blind spots or give you new prompts. And also community, being in community with other women during this time. I feel like now more than ever, we need community of like-minded spirits to be able to lift us up, to be able to hold space for us during this time, to be able to give us feedback on our writing. So check it out, writingexperienceproject.com. We meet twice a week with this program. And of course, it's optional, but we're doing accountability writing times. I'm super pumped for this. And I hope you go and check it out and join us. Also, I posted on Instagram, I don't know, it was a couple weeks ago, just curious, would anybody want to follow my writing journey as I am writing this book, my third book, titled To Be Determined. And I'm about, I don't know, maybe 20%, 25% in my first draft. And I was sitting down thinking about it. You know, I use this special kind of software. I have, by now it's my third book, so I definitely have a method to the madness of how I work. And I thought, I wonder if anyone would be interested in following the journey. I did it with my first book. It's so funny to look back on that and those videos and just how dramatic and nervous and anxiety-ridden I was. But I thought maybe somebody would be interested in following me along this journey. My manuscript is due on November 1st. And... I got an overwhelming response of yeses from y'all. So thank you to those of you who follow me on Instagram. I'm over there at Your Kick-Ass Life if you want to follow me. And I'm going to do it. So if you go to my stories on Instagram, you'll find it there. Instagram has this thing where it's called highlights. You have to go to my actual feed on the gram. And the title of it is called Writing Process. And that's where I have saved those particular stories. And you can watch them in order. It's going to be an ongoing thing where I document and giving you advice and answering your questions too. So two things to help you if you are interested in writing. And this doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, for writers. Maybe you aspire to write a book someday. Maybe you've always wanted to start a blog. So go follow that on Instagram. And if you're feeling so inclined, writingexperienceproject.com. Also, we are having a very short cart opening time for this. It's not going to be long and drawn out. We close the cart on April 28th. So if you want in, don't hesitate. All right, y'all. I'm super excited to introduce again for the second time Jen Loudon here. Jen is one of those people who, similar to Mama Gina, whom I had on several weeks ago, is just a pioneer in this industry. She wrote her first self-help book in the 90s. She's someone whom I've always had so much respect for. And she wrote a book called Why Bother, which, you know, we, she and I did discuss this. What a shitty time to have a book come out. You know, you cannot go on a book tour. You can't, 
you can't do so many of the things that we typically do during a book launch. But on the bright side, I think that the title of this and the topic is incredibly timely because so many people are probably thinking, why bother? Why bother to do that creative project? Why bother to speak up about things that I believe in? So we're going to talk about her new book. And for those of you that don't know her, let me tell you a little more about her. Jennifer Loudon is a personal growth pioneer who helped launch the concept of self-care with her 1992 best-selling debut book, The Woman's Comfort Book. She is the author of five additional books, including The Woman's Retreat Book, The Life Organizer, and her newest, Why Bother? With close to a million copies of her books in print in nine languages, Jennifer is a sought-after speaker addressing audiences across the USA, Canada, and Europe. She's a former columnist for Whole Living, a Martha Stewart magazine, and has appeared on a number of television and radio shows and podcasts, including The Oprah Winfrey Show. Her work has been featured in People, USA Today, CNN, and Brene Brown's books, Daring Greatly and Dare to Lead. As an entrepreneur and educator, Jennifer has offered women's retreats for over 25 years. So without further ado, here is Jennifer. (laughs) Jennifer Loudon, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. I've been really looking forward to this. I am excited to have you on because you were were on before and we had such a great conversation. We will drop that link in the show notes. But you have a new book out and I've heard about it for a long time because you and I are Facebook friends and I've heard you talking about it and asking (laughs) audience questions. (laughs) (laughs) I love, yes, that's what we do when we have these huge creative projects. And I love the title. And one of the questions I first want to ask you is, was this book born from you hearing people say, why bother to you? Or were you saying it? Or how, what made you sit up one morning and say, I need to write this book? I spent four years and 500 pages trying to write a memoir about a very long, extended, dark time in my life that completely and utterly failed as a work of literature. And when I went back and scanned through those pages, um, I saw what I'd always wanted to write about. And I think I've probably been trying to write about for 20 years. And that was this place that we find all of us find ourselves in life, sometimes for extended life encompassing periods of time, sometimes in just one area of our life, which is why bother? Who cares? What's the mm-hmm. point? Why does and so, no, it wasn't from hearing people. I, I wasn't recognizing that people were saying it, but once I heard myself and saw what I had done to myself over and over again, exactly how I had not gotten my bother on at different junctures in my life, how I had done exactly or half of the thing that I didn't uh, now could see was not the, the best thing to do. Then I, then I started to see it everywhere. Interesting. Okay. And I have to ask, did you go back to the memoir? No, 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 no. You have memoir, it. <laughs> dead, dead, dead. No, the memoir will never, no, no, no one will ever read those 500 pages. But there are stories that came out that are in the book. So there's a lot of my story. There's, there, we could say there's chunks of the memoir, but what the memoir did for me was many things. One, it got me out of my why bother time. It taught me what it needed to teach me mm-hmm. personally. It changed my life deeply and permanently. And then it showed me the roadmap that I was able to then distill into this book. Okay. And it's like such an interesting concept. And it's one of those books too, where, you know, as an author, and I'm like, that's genius. Like the whole concept of why bother? Because exactly what you said, so many people ask that. What's the point? 
Why does it even matter? I've heard so many of my communities say that mm-hmm. about different creative projects that they're doing, mm-hmm. what, whatever it is that's stepping out of their comfort zone. And so let's start kind of from the beginning. So you believe there are two kinds of quote unquote, why bother? So how did you discover them and, and tell us about those? Well, you know, I discovered them by being deeply mired in what I call the grubby bummer, why bother, that you automatically assume has an answer that is bad. Uh (laughs) When you're asking why bother, what's the point? Almost invariably, you think you know the answer, which is there is no point. There is no reason to bother. There is nothing that can change. There's no reason to speak up to your boss, write the book, go back on a dating site. That's the kind we're most familiar with. And so we think when we're asking why bother, who cares, what's the point, we've already answered it. And what I discovered and what I'm saying in the book is, no, this is so natural. It's so inevitable. It feels like a sign of death. It's actually a sign of life. The other side of why bother is actually ask the friggin' question. What do I want? What Mm -hmm. do I want to bother about? What's going on here? This is what I this is what the book is about. Something has ended. Something has died for you or been taken from you or no longer has juice, but there's nothing yet that you care about to replace it or you aren't willing to claim it yet. That's where you're at. Mhm. So it's, it sounds like it's this pivotal time in someone's life where they might feel like they've given up hope, but by them just asking the question, whatever form it is, then they're actually really onto something. Is that fair to say? Am I understanding you correctly? I think that's fair to say. And I think the other thing that I try to make clear in the book is that there is a place in these junctures. And again, they can be big or little. They can be very specific to one area of your life or like in my in my case, my entire life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a juncture in there that we haven't talked about before. And that is there's a a place that we need to hang out until we get desire flowing again. And then we can begin to make choices. And what we tend to do is either fall into the grubby bummer side of why bother, right? And just Mm -hmm. give up, Mm -hmm. you know, or bear it or coast or that's good enough or that's all I deserve. Uh, it's too hard to change. He'll never change. She'll mm-hmm. never change. Um, or we jump into action, right? We jump into solving it. You know, I had a client once who said, this is the time I always take the shitty job again. <laughs> oh, just something, some kind of change. Yeah, something. Some kind of At least I'm doing mm-hmm. something, right. right? And what I'm saying and what I try to outline in the book is how you can actually hang out in this place and recharge yourself and get get to what's next, which doesn't mean it's going to be perfect or look the way you want, but it's going to have juice and mojo and clarity. I imagine that that place is very uncomfortable for people. And by people, (laughs) I mean me (laughs) as someone who's raising your hand over here, because I'm the type of person who would take immediate action, like your client, like I'll just get the shitty job because it feels better to have momentum than to sit in that gray area of inquiry and curiosity, which I, I have come a thousand miles too, from, you know, too. being in this industry kind of it's like a hazard. We we do that. But for the people listening, like that that can be uncomfortable. Oh, oh my God. It's it's excruciating. It's confusing. I was talking to my sister who's who's six she's quite a bit older than I am. She's 60, she's about to turn 65. Her job ended abruptly. She's not really ready to retire. She financially can afford to, but she's afraid of being bored. And she is 
completely stuck about what to bother about. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to coach her through this process and I could just feel how much she doesn't want to be in this place of wonder and curiosity and try these different tools. Um, and I know, I mean, I'm telling you, I looked back at my, at my life when I wrote that memoir and went, oh my God, uh, I rejected that place every single time. And that's what kept me stuck. That and being incredibly mm-hmm. cruel to myself. Yeah. Yes, which is a whole nother, whole nother topic. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but you you made me curious about something talking about your sister. So does this book speak to all ages, or is it for people at certain times in their lives? No, I you know I wrote it primarily with women in their forties and fifties in mind. But then when I finished it, um, and I was talking about it in some different events or retreats I was leading, I had women say, "Oh my god, I can't wait to give this to my twenty year old daughter, to mm-hmm. my." you know, my 25-year-old granddaughter. And I'm like, oh. So I went back in and made sure there was examples of, um, you know, feeling crippled by student debt or feeling right. like you worked so hard like like our kids have. And then you get into the workforce and you're like, oh, wait, this is what I worked so hard for? Yes. So I do think that it can come. I mean, my, my first story that I tell about my first why bother time came in my 20s. So I think it's it comes repeatedly in our life. And again, so like I know a friend of mine said recently, she goes, yeah, I just had a why bother time this afternoon. So sometimes <laughs> it's just kind of a passing mood that we can get curious about as well as a, wow, it's really time to step back about my job or, um, you know, my, my, my intimate partnership or, or et cetera. So uh, yes, yes to all of that, and and it's it's true. You know the the audience that that listens to this show, I have women of all ages, mostly women. I know there's a few men out there too, but I I do have a a large younger audience as well, and mm-hmm. I know that I think even more so. I don't know, but I was just thinking like maybe even more so now with this younger generation mm-hmm. where everything it's almost like they have even. I just I feel like to. I'm I'm thinking of like seven different things here. Forgive me, everybody. <laughs> but just, you know, now um, Courtney Martin talks about this in one of her books. She's a feminist writer. And she she talks about the um, unintended side effect of the feminist movement that where uh, us too, we heard you can, you can do anything you mm-hmm. want. Mm-hmm. And all we heard was you should do everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, that can be so incredibly empowering, but also crippling and bring in that like, why bother? Absolutely. One of the reasons, one of the ways I should say that why bother comes visiting is because you're exhausted. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's because it, of exactly that, because, because your standards of enoughness have become so high and so impossible to reach in so many areas of your life that there is no, there's no way for you to feel a place to rest or feel satisfied. That is absolutely one of, sometimes nothing about your life is the matter. Sometimes you really do bother, but you've lost the ability to declare what is enough for you. I feel that in my bones. I just was, I had one of those quotes that stopped me in my tracks today. And and I'm going to read it to you real quick. It said, uh, we expect women to work. It's more specifically, this is for working moms. We expect women to work like they don't have children and raise children as if they don't work. Mm. So yes. I think everybody can feel can feel that in some way or another. Well, well speaking of feminism and I, and not just feminism, but just things that are happening in the world. And I know that as we're recording this, the the primaries just happened and we're about to walk into the 2020 election, which things are going to get 
things are going to get hairy probably around here. And, you know, the, the climate crisis. And how, mm. so how does asking why bother help us address these big issues that can sometimes feel so insurmountable in like our vote or our uh, talking about it or volunteering doesn't really matter? Oh, it is essential. I cannot, if there's one thing that I want this book to do is to help people get out of their own prisons that they make of passivity and apathy. Mm -hmm. The reason we do it is because again, we don't know what we've decided to bother about and we haven't embraced our own tiny minuscule humanity, right? So we either have this like, I've got, it's got to be big. It's got to matter. I've got to give up my life for it. You know, that's me. Or it's like oh, nothing, you know, what, what is one vote? Why would I wait in line this long? Uh, so we're, we create an internal story to keep ourselves safe, to keep ourselves from having our hearts broken yeah. and to keep ourselves from realizing, you know, I may work really hard and I may never know it did anything. Change, whether it's around sexism, racism, uh, the wealth divide, and certainly when it comes to the climate crisis, is messy. It's the work of untold countless people. And I think part of what gets us into this apathy these days is this cult of celebrity. Like, do we have to be Greta Thunberg to, to do something about the climate crisis? Does it matter that we're reading a book? Does it matter that we're getting educated? Does it matter that we're divesting our um, retirement or pressuring our university to divest their um, investments in the dirty 50? Yes, it matters. But is it sexy? Is it going to get you famous? No. Mm -hmm. So we have to be curious uh, about where are we falling into apathy and then who can we meet with? What resources can we have to keep our head screwed on right about it? And the first one is, where are you excited about being part of making a difference? Maybe it's not the climate crisis for yeah. you, someone listening. Maybe it's about sexism or racism. You know, I have a lot of friends who become really active in being um, voices against racism. Great. That's fabulous. Where are you excited? What fits into your life? And you and I were talking before you started taping, which is that we also have to remember that we are part of a structural system that is absolutely completely screwed and corrupt. Mm -hmm. And we take that personally. And that's what the self-help world has not done anybody a favor around. It's, it's all up to you. If you just get your head right, if you yeah. just say enough positive affirmation, just wanted enough. if you just wanted enough, so <laughs> screw that crap, 100%, get it out. Just keep like out, out damn spot. Realize that your, your individual actions often do feel meaningless because the systems are so big. Mm -hmm. And and you've got to you've got to work on that internally to, to you know just keep seeing that going man you've also got to work on what are you taking in what kind what of are news consuming? are you taking mm -hmm. in what are you consuming that's re reflecting a doomsday apathetic story because that's what the news does now because of clickbait even the New York Times is doing it right even God forbid you go to Fox News right. I mean, really, if you want to see like fear mongering, you know, it's jacking up your, yeah. and it's, it's taking over without you even realizing it, a feeling of there's no point. Right. Right. It's, we're all fucked. Right. <laughs> so you know what? And I just want to say about the climate crisis, there is no factual basis to believe we cannot turn this around. Mm -hmm. There is no factual basis. We have the capacity. We have, we can do it. 
it's still possible. Yeah. And that's a fact. Yeah. I mean, I remember we did it with the ozone layer. I mean, yeah. I, I don't want to, I don't want to speak and make a sweeping generalization about like, well, we did it back in the eighties or whatever, but yeah, I feel you on that. And I love that your book touches on that and that you, I love just hearing you get so fired up about it. So thank you for, for that and, and sharing your energy with us. And well, like kind of turning back to the the logistics of, of what you walk people through in the book and cause you know, we all love a step-by-step process, Jen. <laughs> and you, you share a six-step process for turning to the bright side of why bother. So can you share some of that with us? Yeah, I still have to read the uh, table of contents. That's to okay. I do too. <laughs> I'm like, what did I say? What page was that on? <laughs> but I, I want to say why I, I, I named these stages early on, but I didn't make them super explicit in the draft that I shared with my beta readers. And one of my beta readers, uh, who's a well-known um, uh, women's leadership person, she said, you know, I'm, 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 I'm in a why bother time right now and I'm scared and I need to know that how I can progress through this. So I brought it out a little bit more clearly, but very much, you know, like who knows where you are and, and you slip and slide between these, but it, it's nice to have distinctions. Mm-hmm. And so those distinctions are leave behind. And, and this is what kept me stuck so long in my prolonged uh, Job time, which is that I kept replaying. I wasn't there for my dad when he had his fatal heart attack from the chemo that he was taking for pancreatic cancer. I was mm. in Italy. I w- didn't get back in time through my own uh, choices to be when, with him when he died. I didn't handle my divorce right. I, so there's so many things that will keep us from bothering because we're replaying beating ourselves up, staying stuck in what we can no longer have or do. I lost the job. I should have done this, this, and that. Um, So leave behind is absolutely, again, it's not going to be neat or clear, but it's essential. Mm -hmm. And then the next stage is ease in. And I thought at first it was settle, which is actually the stage after that, settle down, listen, get quiet. But I realized if you settled too soon, you could fall back into lethargy and why bother? So I'll give you some ideas of some ways to sort of get a little juice going, (laughs) a little energy going. A little simmer. Mm -hmm. A little simmer, exactly. And then the next one is subtle. And this is, again, where I looked at my memoir and went, oh my God, every time life was calling me to ask why bother, to discern, to make changes, at least to inquire, I did as much as I could to stay busy, to go back to what was familiar, to get into action, to try to, for me, to be somebody, right? Mm-hmm. I was always addicted to like, can I be somebody important? Can I be somebody famous? Well, yeah. Oprah liked me. So settling, that's, it's really, it's difficult. <laughs> it's difficult. And I still struggle with it, but it's essential. And then desire, which is the main concept of the book. And that is um, that desi- without desire, there is no life. And what I see missing in those transitions that I didn't make the way that I wish I had made them and the moments when I get lost now and the, and the moments that I have, frankly, right now about promoting the book, will anybody care? Mm-hmm. Will people bother about reading this thing that I care so much about um, is to come back to my feeling of how much I care and how much I desire rather than the outcome. And I think what's missing for so many of us that we don't allow time for is to let desire flow again without knowing how it's going to work out or what it's going to get us. Can you say that again? That's so important. (laughs) To let desire flow again without knowing where it's going to get us, what it's going to, you know, how it's going to turn out. Is it going to be worth it? We're scared, I think. I I shouldn't say we, me. I'm Mm -hmm. scared 
to let desire animate me, to love life, to love myself, to be here for it all without going, but see, see, it all worked out. Yeah. <laughs> I have mm-hmm. a best-selling book. I'm, the you know, I, I didn't get cancer, you know, whatever it is. Um, and that's, I think that's the key idea in the book is we need to let that desire flow to animate us again. And then it may, it's not going to lead us to exactly what we want or make everything crystal clear, but it's going to give us the juice and the energy to keep moving towards what's next. Right. I want to pause there for a second because desire, I, I feel like is one of those things, at least I've seen it in my community where, and in my own experience, personal experience is that many times we get to a place in our lives where we don't, and maybe it's never been for some women, where mm-hmm. we just don't even know what it God, is that so we true. want anymore, what so we true. desire. Oh, I, I just, I feel everyone out there. My hand on my heart. I feel mm-hmm. you. And mm-hmm. yeah, run out and get Jen's book because she's going to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, I, I just, I want to super, super normalize that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and this is something I've been talking about in my work for a long time. And I'm finally glad that I have a way to do it in a book, which is that desire is frightening. It's a lot of energy. Um, it's heartbreaking because we may get really attached. Like I'm kind of attached to this book doing well and reaching a lot of people. And I have to keep backing off of that mm-hmm. and separating my, uh, separating out my identity from it. I, I say to my husband some days, you're still going to love me. Right. And he just laughs at me. Um, you know, we have to separate out our fears of desire that are so embedded in Western culture, and I'm sure a lot of other cultures as well, for women, it's been traditionally extremely dangerous, if not deadly, to desire. To and express. we may mm-hmm. to express it to even want it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it still is for you know many billions of women in other countries. So there's a lot that we have to overcome when we're so busy, when we're so exhausted, and when we're fed so many messages of what we should desire or what it should look like with, again, yep. reality TV, you know, mm-hmm. social media, you know, even the things, again, we, 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 we like, oh, no, I don't believe that. Oh, I filter that out. But it's, it's in the it zeitgeist, it's right? It's in the water. Mm-hmm. It's in the water. <laughs> yeah. And I think I, the thing that comes up over and over again for me in terms of desire, and, and, and I, I worked specifically with a coach to, to kind of break down these old paradigms, and it's still, it, it's still, I just think in my DNA, is that my desire never comes first. Yes. That's for other people, especially yes. for men. Yes, yes. And even like, you know, average white men. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even that mediocre meme. ones. Like, they're, mediocre, that's first. it. Mediocre. I love that meme. Do what a, a have the confidence white, of a mediocre. Have the confidence white. of a mediocre white man. I love that. Yeah. So um, I, I actually just can draw a direct line from my first book published in 1992, The Woman's Comfort Book, when I first started talking to women about self care and how, like, like their eyes would roll back in their head and they're like, well, I get my nails done. Yeah. I take and I'm like, no, no, no. I'm talking about actually like, where are you in your life? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Taking care of yourself and resting and self-nurturing. That's a great place to start. But really what I'm talking about here is where are you in your life? And this is the same message. Where are you in your life? And when we come to these, why bother? What's the point? Who cares? Point moments. This is where we have to ask, Oh, what, what? Oh, if I fallen into my mom's story, have I fallen into the cultural meme? Have I fallen into the hustle until you die? What, what, what's going on here? Where am I? Yeah. I, I just had a conversation in the community that I run called The Oasis, and uh, somebody shared an article that was popular on The Guardian recently about how 
writers don't, how little money writers make and um, how it's really this. I read that article. Yeah. White privilege Mm -hmm. thing. And they have this great discussion about it. And I waited and I waited and I finally waited and I said, just great discussion. Don't disagree with the article. And it makes me furious. Because I had mixed feelings about it too. Okay, please, please continue. <laughs> because what? It, first of all, it's a very narrow literary conversation about what it means to make mm-hmm. a living as a writer. So it's like, oh, I write liter- I sit in my house, I write what I want, somebody publishes it, I make enough money. I'm sorry, that's never been true. That's been true for so few artists throughout history. We've all been out there, our entire historical artist community, writer community, hustling. You should have to kiss a Pope's ass. Mm-hmm. Now you might have to kiss a bunch of Instagram people's asses. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the like, emails. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, that's the first thing. And the second thing is there was no mention of desire. Like, why are you writing? What is it? Why is it important to you? Is it about making money? Okay. Then let's look at self-publishing genre fiction. There's people making a great living out there doing yeah. that. Or speaking, you know? or consulting, or teaching, like, right? So or the many whole other... business that I've built, you know, yep. around. I used to make all of my money from writing and publishing, and when that started to change, I went, "Okay, wake up! What else are you going to do? How mm-hmm. are you going to diversify?" Yeah. Anyway, thank I you for saying that. Like that. I was going to share that article, and and I and I had so much to say about it. I just didn't have time, and, and yes, I'm like, I forget yeah. it. Never mind. <laughs> but yes, I'm glad we're having this conversation because I I want to point out one thing that was very true for me that that this particular. Um, author slash writer said in that the very few people who can make a living just from writing typically had someone to help them. Mm-hmm. In other words, that um, they had a trust fund or had saved up a ton of money or had a, a spouse that worked full-time. And that was my experience too. It would have looked very different. The situation that I was in, I would have just gone to live with my parents. Honestly, like lived in my parents' basement in order to, to make it and they mm-hmm. would have helped me. But I happened to get married and he had a stable job and insurance and all those fantastic things. And he was able to help me. So that part I, I did mostly agree with. But yeah, the other stuff, it, it did feel a little bit narrow. And I was like, oh, I need to poke some holes in this, but I, I ran out of time. So there yeah. you have it. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, I had um, I had some luck. Um, my dad sold his business and because of the way he'd structured it, I had some money from that in my early 20s for a few years. And that allowed me more time to figure out what I wanted to do and what I wanted to say. Um, But then, you know, I supported my family and my first husband for many, many years, almost entirely through writing. So there are other stories out there. And, you know, I just think I think what's important is, again, when we let a cultural narrative, it's not we want to be blind, you know, there's plenty of people out there who want to take your money and take you to the cleaners because mm-hmm. you want to bother about writing and they will sell you a total bullshit package. Oh my God. Don't get me started on that. So I'm not saying it's like, Oh, whatever I want is going to happen. Keep your eyes open, but don't also buy into this is what everybody says happens. So it's going to be that way. Like I'm a living example, but that's not true. Yeah. It's interesting because I, I bought into that whole idea that we had been fed that writers don't make money. It's like mm-hmm. the star, it's the, the starving artist. Yeah. And I fed and I believed people 
And, but honestly, like that's what pushed me to diversify and to become a life coach and do all these things that helped me get here where I am now making a living from my writing. So I'm like, that's interesting. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Me too. And, and I also think the thing that I can't stand, and this is the last thing I'll say about this, about these, I'm only a writer if I write all the time or I write a certain genre that makes me so angry. I love to teach and speak. Mm More than I like to write, I am compelled to write to understand myself, to understand the world. I love the written world word, but you, I, a day that I wake up and all I got to do is talk and teach is a much easier day. Yeah. Am I going to devalue that because that's where a lot of my income comes from in the last years? I mean, it's just so narrow-minded. Yeah, it is. We can probably have a whole other conversation. I want to switch gears and come back to the book and just ask you another question about, yeah. you know, because you, you mentioned the women's book of, of comfort was published. The, in women's 19- comfort book. Yeah. Women's comfort book. That was published in 1992. Yes. So I know that this is going to, might be a huge question, but is there, you know, my first book was only published in 2012 and there's things that I wish I could go back and oh, change. God. And that's sort of like the <laughs> of traditional publishing that you, you can't most of the time I should say. And, you know, having learned so much in just a short eight years. So is there anything that you wish you could go back and maybe it's just like a snippet of it where you wish, where you've learned something or, or just tell us about that. Oh my God. I would rewrite every single one of my books. I, Oh my God. I'm so the, 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 first four books uh, were published all by Harper and they all were so popular and stayed in print. They're all still in print. I don't think the pregnant woman's comfort book is in print. And at one point they said, Hey, we want to do a second edition of all these books and you can update all the resources because they all had resources because this was before the internet. Okay. And, um, and so I'm like, okay, but I can change the book too. Right. And they're like, no. And I'm like, no, let me change. And then the same thing happened with my book, the life organizer, my publisher is like, we want to give it a new life. And it came out in a hardbacks, uh, paper overboard, which is this in-between thing. So we're going to bring it on paperback and we'll sell a bunch more copies. And I'm like, can I make changes? They're like, you can make tiny changes that don't change the page count because of how, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, no. Yep. <laughs> so, oh, oh totally. man. Oh God. I am a completely different person, but that's why we just, we just have to, it used to bug the hell out of me, but all we can do is just go, that's who I was then. Yeah. And that's what the culture was about then. Mm-hmm. And now we're in a completely different place. and. And this is what I have to say now. That's true. I love that you said that because because my book that came out in 2012, I some people tag me on Instagram with like passages and stuff that I wrote, <laughs> and sometimes I feel like I've been smacked in the face. And they're and they're lovely people that are that are tagging me and they love it, and they're you know like the pause up emojis and everything. But me as someone who's grown, I, I want to just be like, okay, P.S. There's so much privilege. Like <laughs> you yeah, can't yeah, just. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I want to add a P.S. to yeah. so much of of my very first book, but I I still I still love her. I just want to. I know. I understand. Me too. Me too. But uh, oh, why bother everyone? Go out and get it. May 5th officially comes out. And of course, we will put a link to that in the show notes. I don't, I don't like to leave without giving my, my, my guests um, one more opportunity to say something that they're dying to say or, or tell people where to find them or, or what can people do. Well, we've got some great pre-order bonuses yes, for right, you. That's right. You can get the first chapter. We're going to do a live celebration you know, call. We have a five-day live immersion coaching experience around the book to help How you- fun work out your issues with why bother that'll happen a little bit later in July. And, um, you also get a inner to win a free spot in one of my 
desire retreats this year. One in Salvador, North Carolina. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Everybody, so <laughs> Jennifer Loudon is a legend. If you don't sign up for the for the immersion and oh, okay. Yes. Go. Keep yeah, going. So sorry, that, that's that. And that'll be good until May 6th. So if you're listening to this after May 6th, sorry, those bonuses may be gone. I don't know, but we're, um, but go and check them out anyway, because you never know if we actually remember to take them down. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you so, so, so oh, much for being here. I know you. how, how busy book launches are and and I, I feel you and I'll be thinking of you and everyone oh. listening. Thank you so much for being here. I know that your time is so valuable and I appreciate that you spend it here with me and my guests. And until next time, everyone, I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. 